the, what the Bible invites us to think about is um, human sexuality being in its most full sense in a devoted, trusting, loving relationship. So we're talking about intimacy. And so a lot of times intimacy with others is hampered by a lack of intimacy with ourselves, right? Just you know, who am I? What do I want? What do I need? And being able to begin to give that voice, talk that through with someone in a trusting, loving, safe relationship. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. All right, Bishop, the devotion this week was a juicy one. <laughs> your, <laughs> your inspiration's right out of the book of Solomon, and you said, this is my favorite line, the church needs to repent for its poor stewardship of human sexuality. Amen. So what does that look like? A repenting church. A repenting church. Oh my God. Well, I think a repenting church, first of all, the, the meditation is all uh, comes from the Song of Solomon, which is a love letter, right? A love letter between a man and a woman, right? Two lovers, right? And if you don't know this book, you got to read this. Get yourself some popcorn, get yourself a glass <laughs> of wine, you know, and read this stuff. You know, television struggles to distill this kind of fire and intimacy. I'm telling you, you got to read this stuff. Read it but for if, you're just, if you're just curious, just read it. Be prepared to be hot and bothered. Be prepared to be hot and bothered. And so when I say that the church needs to repent for its poor stewardship of human sexuality, what I mean is we have not heard often enough and powerfully enough that sex, human intimacy, is a good gift from God. We have not heard that nearly enough. We have not taught it adequately enough. That, that, that God is an embodied God and arousal and touch and all of those things that make us human, desire and longing, yearning, all that is a good gift from God. Can we use that good gift abusively? Can we, uh, can we you know, soil it and sully it? Yes, of course we can, right? But the Bible goes on to talk about the ways in which we can maximize this good gift in loving relationship with one another, with trust, right? With devotion and dedication, we can maximize uh, this good gift from God. God has not made a bad thing in human sexuality. God has made a good thing in human sexuality, and we have not talked about it enough. And what troubles me is, is that there are people who are young and who are not so young who are still struggling with these sad parochial notions of human sexuality, and they have not enjoyed themselves, I believe, in the way that God would have us to enjoy ourselves. Mm. So you said, uh, I love your last statement of the devotion. You say, what a wonderful God you are. You've designed us for mutual joy. Yes. And the word mutual really stuck out to me there. Yes. Especially since women have been diminished throughout history and blamed for being harlots. And yeah. I mean, hello, we're the modern day Eve yes. who led Adam astray. Right. And I'm wondering how <laughs> I'm right. wondering how Song of Solomon might help us understand mutuality in a more full and vibrant way. Well sure. Well first of all the, the phrase mutual joy comes from the wedding 
service in the Book of Common Prayer. So I'm, 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 if people want to know if I'm on a tangent or if I'm, I'm, you know, I've got some issues here, I'm, I'm pulling this information right out of our, right out of our tradition. Mutual joy, and then we get a glimpse of mutual joy in the Book of Song of Solomon, as these lovers describe each other beautiful legs and beautiful teeth and full bosoms and smiles and I want to kiss you and all these sorts of things. So so mutual, uh, in at least in Song of Solomon, means that I have eyes to see the beauty that God has made in you. And you have eyes to see the beauty that God has made in me. And we are enjoying that together. So you, you get this. Yes. Have we abused this? Yes. Uh, has, has patriarchy infected this? Yes, of course we have. Have we, uh, have we trampled on women in this regard because of our own sexual hangups? Of course we have. Have we made the Bible uh, something that it's not as it regards sexuality? Yes, of course we have to further our own sad uh, and, uh, and really small agendas. But, but nevertheless, here's the, here's the sort of revolutionary aspect of the spirit that wants to come back again and again and again and through these stories and to uh, hopefully igniting us again a new vision of what it means to enjoy uh, what it is to be human in its fullness. And so that means for us mutual. That means for uh, women to understand that they're, they're, they, they are beautiful. It's not about Vogue's definition of beautiful. It's about being made in the image of God and that being beautiful, right? And 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 to, to be self-possessed in that, I can't think of anything more exciting. Uh, that's that confidence that sort of transcends. And so when you read Song of Solomon, this woman, she's speaking with her full throat about the beauty of her lover. And vice versa. And so there is a real dialogue, not a monologue happening about what is beauty. Mm -hmm. So what's the cure then to our puritanical kind of feelings regarding sex, love, lovemaking? To keep talking about it. Mm. To keep talking about it in, in, in the ways to preach on the Song of Solomon, for, for, for pastors to do a series uh, on the Song of Solomon, for pastors to reclaim uh, human sexuality as good for us to defy the norm of being sort of neo-puritanical, right? And to and to talk about how you know God is not inviting us to be repressed. God is inviting us to channel the electricity of sexuality in particular ways for our soul's benefit and the benefit of our of our uh, of our beloved, right? And, you know, the best way we can tell as far as in Scripture is in a monogamous, loving relationship, right? For those who are worried that these kind of conversations lead to promiscuity, that's not what we're commending at all. Not at all. What we're commending is a depth of appreciation for human sexuality. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, the Bible says. You know, you know that's, a, that's a, a way to say in biblical ways, in marriage, y'all should be chasing each other around the cocktail table. Right. That, that's, that's just a biblical way to say that. Right. In other words, enjoy. You are your beloved. Your beloved is yours. In the Bible, it says in another place, the woman has no authority over her over her body and neither does the man. If you want mutual there, it doesn't say that the man is in control of the woman sexually. It says that neither have authority. So what we're talking about here, for those who are really paying attention today, is we're talking about a deep giving of oneself to one's beloved. And that does, and that's not bound up in gender. A deep giving. So, you know, I've done, I don't know, countless marriages. And, you know, with all that I am and with all that I have, we say, I honor you. 
Yeah, that's something we promise, you know, in front of a, a pastor or a priest, in front of an altar on a day, and then we spend the next series of years trying to live into that. Baby, I'm yours, and you are mine, and we will never use sex as a weapon, right, in marital discord, right? In this space, I am yours, you are mine, we deeply belong to one another. That's above argument, right? And so what we need to do is talk about that, teach that, celebrate that, point to it. I worry about young people who, who it seems, uh, either think that promiscuity is the way or fear and repression is the way. Rather than this, what I think robust middle ground is, is that I am made in the image of God, and that includes my sexuality as well. I am made as a sexual being, creature. And that is a gift from God for me to enjoy. And here are the breadcrumbs, uh, here are the bread path right, to, the, to the best way, the most fulfilling way to live that out. Love it. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> I feel like had we done this, like, you know, with the flow, I do have a funny story though. Mike and I, 10 years ago, 12 years ago for our 10 year anniversary, we went to one of those crazy, uh, marriage enrichment retreats, you know, sure. which are often led by super evangelical and conservative, uh, folks. And, you know, we took it lightly and whatnot, but the funniest thing is, is that we, of course, you know, devoted on Song of Solomon during the art the weekend. And so Mike and I, we didn't make a joke out of it. It was really funny, but like sexting came up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I I I texted Mike Rob, like, oh, your nose is like a rod of gold. And, and, you know, let's talk about that a minute, because I think one of the things we're talking about, I hope we're not sounding so serious to people, but but we're talking about re the recapture of play. That's part of this. Yeah. About being playful. You get this you get this sense in the Song of Solomon that they're they're younger. Mm. They're, they're, they're young and they're being playful also. While, you know, they're saying beautiful things about one another. But there but there's also a playfulness. Right. My, my beloved skips like a gazelle. You know, there's a, there's a playfulness there. And I, I wonder what it would take for some of us to recapture that. This this sort of this, this playfulness and, and, and maybe to rethink some of the walls we put up around intimacy and sexuality. Let, let me tell you a story, because maybe we can get to all of this through a story. Uh, I uh, was a young pastor and had whatever ideas I had in my head. And I had a, an older pastor as a friend, a woman, and she was telling me about an encounter that she had with a parishioner, right? Uh, it was confidential. No names were exchanged, but she told me the story nevertheless. And here was the story. My friend was sitting in her office, and in came a, a woman married of many years to confess to her pastor. And here's the story. She walked in on her husband one day after work, came home early and walked in on her husband one day. Uh, who was dressed uh, head to toe in some of her best clothing, right? You follow? And so, and, and he's visibly aroused. And uh, after they get over the shock of what they're seeing, him being sort of caught and, and her seeing her husband of many years dressed in her clothing, the story goes that they had mad, passionate lovemaking. And, and this had gone on a couple of times but the, the wife was, was feeling a little bit guilty about all this, even though it was sort of the stuff that curls the toes, right? She was having a great time in bed. 
So she goes to my friend, the pastor, and confesses, said, hey, pastor, you know, this is what has happened, and this is what the, has been happening over the last couple of months. I come home. My husband is there. I find him. He's dressed in my clothing. We have mad, passionate love, and it's ever so satisfying, but I wonder if I'm doing something wrong in God's eyes, right? And so my friend says, well, let me get this right. So you're married to your husband of many years, right? She says, yes. He said, you both love one another. She says, yes, that's right. And you're coming home after many years of marriage. She says, yes. And my your husband is making mad, passionate <laughs> love to you. Have I got that right? And, and, the, and the wife says, yes. And my, my friend, the pastor says, and it's only costing you a couple of frocks, you know, dresses here and there. Uh, and and and, uh, my, and the, the wife says, yes. And my friend says, get the hell out of my office. <laughs> it's fantastic. Get the hell out of my office. Right. <laughs> so so, I, you know, so many things to note in that story. But 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 here was what many of us would hope for. Right. Which is a mad, passionate lovemaking in a marriage of many years. Still that excitement, still that fire. And it was in a, a non-traditional way. Right. And, and, and somehow the woman was able to be there and somehow the man was able to be there, but she still had this hang up. She still wondered if she was somehow perpendicular to God. And so my, my friend's pastor response is hilarious. And uh, I, I, I hope what the wife got from that was, hey, get out of my office and go have a great time. I love that. But you know what, though? It brings up a question for me about sex and shame. Like, I yeah. don't understand how... Yeah how that got corrupted so. Yeah, right. Well, we have to confess that that story is not the norm, right? And many of us, if we came home and saw our spouse dressed in clothing of another gender, might at least have a couple of questions. Sure, sure. But but yeah, I think what, what is happening, the reason why I wrote the piece was because I want to take on that that shame head on. Yeah. Because I, it's the shame that's bondage, right? And, and you know, if, if we're talking about Jesus and his spirit, that's the spirit of liberty and freedom. So bondage in all its forms, right? Bondage in all its forms, spiritual bondage, emotional bondage, you know, it, it's, it's all of that is against the spirit. So what we want to be working towards is the freedom that is our, our inheritance in Christ Jesus. And so that involves, you know, exploding this shame that we bring. And a lot of us have been taught to be shameful about our bodies, about sexuality, about the, the ways in which we want to make love, the things that turn us on. We, we've, been, we've been shamed. And sadly enough, we pass that on. And it's the church that's done much of the shaming. Precisely. Precisely. Well, and, you know, and, and, you know, two seconds of, 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 of giving the church a pass here. These are difficult subjects. These are difficult subjects. And so sometimes we just bury it in silence. And what we learn is, is that if we're not speaking about it, others will. And, and others will others may not be the stewards of the conversation that the church is called to be a steward of. Uh, what I mean by that is that we're made in the image of God. Human sexuality is a gift from God, and se- human sexuality is good. Human intimacy is good. It's a gift from God. And so I, I would rather have the church uh, start trying to have more fulsome conversations about this than to leave it to other people. As long as our, our understanding is, is that it's nothing to be ashamed of, it's nothing to feel guilty about, it's a good gift. So, Bishop, given your meditation on sex, I'm curious what uh, you think we're being invited to do. Yeah, so I, I, what I would want to say uh, to anybody listening who's at least intrigued by what I've said today 
I, I would say, you know, how's your life with sexuality? How, how's, how's your life with intimacy? Right. I, I would say that. And I would say, is it in need of healing? And, and if it's in need of healing, I would say, make that appointment. Go and talk to somebody. I mean, push through the awkwardness of it. Get the healing that God wants for you, right? So you can enjoy this aspect of life that God has given to you. Um, I, I would say, have a conversation with a spouse about what you want, about what you need. I'd say, find the courage to do that, um, to, to say without being unkind, uh, what, what you need uh, to be more fulfilled. Uh, I, I would say, you know, uh, maybe look out there to the clinical world for resources about how to have a conversation. Um, there are countless books and resources. Uh, there are videos, all these sorts of things, of course, with the point of being healed and enjoying uh, uh, sexuality. Uh, and, I, and I would say, I suppose, uh, finally, uh, to just just know deeply in your being and embrace deeply in your being that that you are made for good, all of you is made for good, and uh, and that is worshipful. When we live that way, when we purge shame and guilt and those sorts of things from ourselves, what we are doing is we're making ourselves a more worshipful vessel. We are occupying exactly what God would have us to occupy, and that is holy. And so. All right, Bishop, I have a okay. question and I'm so sorry I'm interrupting you because it was a good flow, but I'm also equally mindful of the word intimacy. And so we're talking about sexuality yeah. and that's, that can be a feel good thing. And sometimes I feel like sex is so often about the act and the sure. feeling and it lacks intimacy. Yep. yep. No, I'm talking about both. I'm talking about both. And I mean, I, I started off talking about human sexuality and intimacy, right? And so for me, they're connected. In fact, you know, the, the act without the intimacy is, is one expression, but not the fullest expression, right? This is why I said earlier that, you know, the, what the Bible invites us to think about is um, human sexuality being in its most full sense in a devoted, trusting, loving relationship. So we're talking about intimacy. And so a lot of times intimacy with others is hampered by a lack of intimacy with ourselves, right? Just you know, who am I? What do I want? What do I need? And being able to begin to give that voice, talk that through with someone in a trusting, loving, safe relationship. So, no, it's hand in hand for me, hand in hand for me. I'm not talking about the mechanics of lovemaking, though I think we should talk about that. We should talk about that with people who have a lot of insight and a lot of skill in this regard so that we can therefore enjoy it. So I, I think, you know, one of the things I always tell people when I'm talking about this kind of stuff is, is that, uh, you know, uh, for preachers, you know, uh, preaching is a lot like lovemaking, right? We all think we're really good at it, but the truth of the matter is we could all use a little work, right? And so that is true for preachers, and I think that is true for all of us uh, as, uh, as intimates. And so uh, I, I would say perhaps for some of us, uh, what we need to do is just sort of interrogate, you know, our own uh, uh, openness to intimacy, and, and, and maybe uh, finding the security and the courage uh, to ask our partners, uh, you know, what new thing might we do together? What new part of, of a journey might we embark on together? Hmm. Love it. Hey, listeners, this is producer Easton Davis. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Four People. 
please share this episode with a friend. Keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright, and we'll see you next week.